Once again, folks, welcome to another edition of the CIAC Cast. I am Joel Cookson, and I am very happy you've decided to spend a little time with us today talking some high school sports. We've got uh, kind of a different show for you today. Uh, as I've mentioned before, when we kind of get wrap up a championship season as we just did with the winter and before we kind of fully dive maybe into a new season, I'd like to try to bring you some different kind of things here on the podcast. So this week we're going to kind of go behind the scenes with a few uh, a few positions at the high school level that maybe folks aren't quite as familiar with or aren't quite as familiar with what those folks do. And then we'll also be mixing in a little bit of spring sports preview as well. So we got to do a couple different things here. We're going to talk to uh, Mark Aceto, who is the head athletic trainer at East Haven High School, talk a little bit about the world of uh, athletic training at the high school level, what those folks do, all the hard work and good work that they do help keep uh, student athletes healthy and safe. Uh, we're going to get in touch with uh, one of our favorite uh, guests here on the CIC cast, Dave Rudin of the RudinReport.com. He's going to help us take the temperature of where things stand down in Fairfield County as the spring sports season gets underway. And then we're also going to get in touch with uh, Damian Frasinelli, who is the athletic director at Stafford High School. Talk to him a little bit about the challenges of that position, particularly in the spring season when weather and all kinds of other things uh, seem to conspire against uh, high school athletics at certain times. So those are the conversations we're going to be having this week on the CIAC cast. We hope you will uh, will check them out, learn a little bit, find some, some of them um, interesting, and uh and that's it. So that's who we've got coming up. Excited to talk to those folks, and uh, we'll get right to it. But first, we have to, uh, as we always do, give you a couple different pieces of information here. The first one is things you might have missed on CICsports.com. We've had some interesting things go up uh, in the last few weeks since the uh, since our last CIC cast. Of course, we've had two editions of Linked Up, because that comes uh, usually the podcast comes out on a Thursday, and then we put Linked Up out on a Friday. So we've had two editions of that. Uh, since our last CIC cast, always a great place to check out some great stories about high school sports in Connecticut and across the country. Uh, big honor for a Connecticut student athlete. Uh, Simsbury's Danny Dates has been awarded the NFHS Section 1 Spirit of Sport Award. That's a big honor that comes from the NFHS, which is our national parent organization uh, for the CIAC. It's the organization made up of all of the state high school associations. And, uh, and each year they award eight regional winners of the Spirit of Sport Awards, so or the, uh, the Section 1 region, which is what uh, Connecticut is in and what Danny has been honored with, uh, encompasses Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. So that uh, young man has earned a very impressive honor and uh, is certainly deserving of that. So hope you'll check that out and, uh, and learn a little bit about Danny's story uh, because it is truly a remarkable one. Uh, also on CICsports.com, talk a little bit about scholar-athletes, and that's something I think we're probably going to hit on a future podcast, but uh, looking for a little uh, information. We, we've gotten all the names of the scholar-athletes who we'll be honoring in just a few weeks, uh, May 7th, just a little over a month here at the AquaTurf Club, but always like to be able to do some kinds of feature stories on those folks if we can. So if you've got information about a, uh, a scholar-athlete who uh, think they've got a particularly interesting or compelling story or just think that their, uh, their accomplishments are really worthy of, uh, of a feature kind of piece, uh, please get in touch with us at the CIAC. You can email jcookson, that's J-C-O-O-K-S-O-N at C-A-S-C-I-A-C.org or C-I-A-C-Cast at C-A-S-C-I-A-C.org. Any of those would work. We'd love to uh, to write a little bit about some of the great scholar-athletes, really impressive kids, really the best, uh, some of the best of the best when it comes to the world of high school sports in Connecticut. Uh, got a new feature on Special Olympics. <clears throat> Excuse me. They've released a new uh, a new sort of unified sports instructional video called Be a Game Changer, which talks about how to build uh, or begin a unified sports program at your high school. So we hope uh, folks will check that out as well. And also some information, uh, the Dig Pink fundraising events for volleyball uh, are become a very popular, uh, popular fundraiser for high schools. And uh, in Connecticut, in 2016, uh, Connecticut high school volleyball programs ranked 10th in the country in terms of money earned. So we've got a little story about that as well. So lots of good stuff on CICsports.com. As always, you can check out Tournament Central, which is a, a great way to start getting ready for that spring championship season. You can see all the dates, all the rosters, uh, all the rankings, all that good stuff uh, as we head into the spring championship season. Still a couple months away here, but uh, never too early to start taking a look at that. You can also sign up for uh, email or text alerts. That's another good thing to do. 
Of course, you can always follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports as well. And as I mentioned, email the uh, CIAC cast. We did, I think I mentioned maybe it was the last one we did, there may have been two ago, that uh, we, we did an interview just based on an email that, uh, that a woman sent us uh, saying, you know, you should talk about this. And we said, you know what, you're right. So those, uh, those emails do get read. I uh, can't always guarantee that level of, uh, of response, but we hope that uh, we certainly are taking into account things that people want to hear about here on the CIAC cast. So uh, that's going to do it for things you might have missed. I can't think of anything else. Oh, yeah. The one thing I uh, did want to mention, of course, if you listen to the podcast, we would love it. Um, You can find it there on CICsports.com. You can also find us on iTunes. And if you uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or just listen to us uh, through iTunes, please uh, rate us and leave a review. It's just trying to figure out a to be able to kind of see what kind of response we're getting and uh, and see if we're doing something that you like here on the CIC cast. So just a few things there that we uh, we hope you will consider. And uh, and before we get to our guests, of course, we also need to bring you a message from our friends uh, at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. Uh, was out today, went out to grab a little lunch before recording this little intro, and it's, uh, it's a miserable day, it's raining, and uh, it's hard enough to drive in those kinds of conditions, but uh, you certainly don't need the added difficulty, the degree of difficulty of keeping your phone out and trying to text or trying to scroll through your podcast, trying to scroll through Twitter, whatever it might be. Uh, keep the phone parked away. You're not doing yourself any favors. You are, you're putting yourself at risk, and uh, you're putting other people at risk, too, who, uh, who certainly have a, who might be at risk through no fault of their own. So that's certainly not what you want to be doing when you're behind the wheel. Remember, one text or call could wreck it all. Keep the phone parked away when you're behind the meal, wheel. That's the, uh, the message from the Connecticut Department of Transportation. We appreciate you uh, heeding that warning. And, uh, and now let's get right to our guests. I'm, uh, I'm excited about this. As I said, trying to shed a little light on some, maybe some areas of high school sports that folks aren't as familiar with. So we're going to start things off by talking to uh, Mark Aceto, the head athletic trainer at East Haven High School. I am very happy to have with us today on the phone, Mark Aceto, who is the head athletic trainer at East Haven High School. And we wanted to reach out to Mark to, uh, to help him educate us all a little bit on some of the things that uh, athletic trainers do at the high school level and talk a little bit about the profession. So, Mark, thanks so much for being with me. Uh, thank you, Joel. Thank you for having me. Very excited to talk about this. I think it's uh, it's something that too often gets overlooked. So we want to uh, to kind of shed a little light on on all the hard work that you folks are doing around the state of Connecticut. So let me start off by just kind of saying uh, and and talking a little bit about you, sort of personally. But I imagine it's probably a pretty similar sort of story for a lot of your peers. And that is just you know kind of walk us through, you know, how you got to where you are. How did you become the the trainer at East Haven High School? And what's the process like? You know, of sort of becoming a, a professional trainer. Um, well, I got into profession. Most of us, when we get into the profession, it's more we, sometimes we actually get an injury on our own, mm-hmm. um, where we may, in fact, work with another athletic trainer, or we may work with a physical therapist, or, you know, if we work in a college or a collegiate setting or a high school setting, that we have another athletic trainer that kind of mentors us. Right. And we kind of get the, you know, we call it, it's like an itch. You just, you fall in love with it. It's, it's um it's very rewarding. Um, it's nice to see when athletes, you know, get healthy and get back on the field. Um, whether, you know, I was one, I played at Quinnipiac. Um, it was college then, so it was Division Two baseball, but still I got hurt. Um, you know, I went to the athletic trainer and I got the itch. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the educational aspect of it, I went to Quinnipiac College, now university. Um, it's a four-year degree through an accredited institution. Um, then after that, we have our options to go into a master's or a doctor program. Mm-hmm. And then, but to overall, to get certified, you have to pass um, a national board certification test. Um, everybody has to take it to be certified um, as an athletic trainer. We all have to pass. Right. Um, and then from there, we're licensed through our state. Um, each state has a different license. And then we're allowed to practice athletic training in the state of Connecticut. Um, as for me getting to East Haven, uh, 17 years ago, um, I had Mr. Balsamo, who was our athletic director at the time, mm-hmm. who had an opening. Um, I knew the athletic trainer that was here who was leaving, and uh, I got the phone call to come in for an interview, and you know, it was a happy match <laughs> since then, 17 years 
later, here I am. Very good. So what uh, was you talked a little bit, you kind of answered some of my next question, which was kind of when you decided or when you felt like you this is what you wanted to be doing, which was kind of when you got that itch in, in college. But what was, uh, was high school always sort of your plan as well, or was that kind of, uh, you know, you were going to kind of look all over the place and, and was there anything particularly about high school, you know, being a trainer at the high school level that was particularly appealing to you? Yeah. Um, when I first got out, no, I was kind of wide open. Um, obviously you have professional ranks, you have the collegiate ranks and then the high school ranks. And then there's, um, other areas you can work into where it's just more work professional. But, um, no, I got into high school, uh, my first job out, I worked at Middlesex hospital and, uh, I just fell in love with it. I mean, I played high school sports. I've been involved in sports my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like, uh, you know, the, it's you know your little community. Um, you get to see the kids every day, um, you know, for the fact that, you know, you get, it's, it's not that college isn't more personal. Um, it is, but here it's just, it's, you know, you feel like you're still in high school sometimes as an athletic trainer, which sure. is nice. Yeah. Um, you know, as for um, what made me decide to stay in it, I just found a home. Um, with me, it was East Haven. It was a perfect niche. They were ahead of the game with Mr. Balsamo on protecting student-athletes, you know, with me being here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, 17 years ago, not a lot of, unfortunately, high schools didn't have athletic trainers. Sure. But Fred, like I said, he was a pioneer. He was ahead of the game, and... Uh, you know, he knew how important it was. So he kind of, you know, he took me under his wing, so to speak, and uh, we just grew. You know, I'm full-time here now, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but as for the high school level, um, I think most athletic trainers stay there. It's you have more freedom with time. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, I knew I wanted a family, um, which I have now, and it gives me more flexibility, so to speak, to be with my family. Sure. No, absolutely. So uh, walk, uh, you know, something I think that, that people might kind of be interested in is, uh, you know, walk me through a typical day, uh, you know, as the as the head trainer at, uh, at East Haven High School. What do you, you know, what kind of time are you spending? Obviously, people probably, uh, fans, you know, are maybe just used to seeing folks out at games, but what's your, uh, you know, what's your day like? What's, uh, what kind of is a standard day, whether you've got a game or, or not, that you're going to be attending? Great question. Yeah, because you're right, because most people see us, you know, just on the sidelines, whether we're in our golf cart or just, you know, staying in there talking. Mm-hmm. But, no, my day starts, I'm here at East Haven between 9.30 and 10. Um, and what I do here during the day is kids can come down if they have an injury or uh, they're getting rehab during their study hall um, and or lunch or they get permission from their teacher. But what's great about that is that kids, it's not all jam-packed after school. They sure. can come down. You know, I have more time, one-on-one time with them, where, you know, sometimes after school when we get here at 2, it, it's uh, no holds bar, so to speak. You'll have 40 kids coming through. Yeah. Um, so during that morning time, um, I'll treat kids that come in that need the treatment or have injuries. And most importantly, the other thing is I get caught up on paperwork. Right. Um, you know, nowadays documentation is very important for – you know, for everybody we treat, um, just to make sure that we're taking care of the kids rightly, but mm-hmm. also legally we're, you know, protecting ourselves in the school and the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so documentation is a big part of, you know, my morning keeping up with that. Um, the other thing is I help out with the school with health and wellness. So sometimes teacher needs help with ergonomics, so I'll go help do their teaching, you know, their desk, mm-hmm. uh, make sure everything's functioning correctly. Um, I'll help them out. They have to discuss about any other, um, you know, dietary or workouts or, you know, anything they need that I can consult with them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do help out the teachers, but it's more consulting. You know, I can't treat them. Sure. Um, But it's more of a consulting basis that they need help. And then the fun starts at 2 o'clock when the kids get out. (laughs) You know, we'll say typical day, you know, usually from 2 to 4, it's pandemonium here where we have kids coming in for getting taped, getting stretched, getting ready to get out to their, you know, their particular sport. Yeah. Um, so usually after school from 2 to 4, I bet you every athletic trainer throughout the state is crazy. Yep. Um, where you get, you know, kids who need their ankle taped or they need treatment to get ready for their games. Um, so that time period's then, and then if we, we're out at the games, you know, getting the water ready, getting the ice out there, um, making sure every coach and everybody's all set to go. The away teams know where we are and how they get a hold of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so God forbid anything happens, we're there. Yep. 
Um, on non-game days, we do rehab. You know, kids come in, we can do rehab um, to get them healthy, whatever injury they may have, um, which is great. It helps out parents where they don't have to take them necessarily down the street to a PT clinic. Right. You know, they can come in with us, you know, and uh, we can rehab them in-house. So, you know, we call it in-house where, you know, they come and see us. They can come see us every day. You know, it depends what the injury is and what we're treating. Yeah. But yep. usually two of the fours are busy time, then sure. we're out watching games, which right. is, you know, it's it's one of the fun parts of the job. You know, people are like, yeah, you know, you're outside watching games. But I tell parents all the time, it's when stuff goes bad, you'll want us here. Yeah, no question about that. So it's certainly a, a full day. Um, this one, uh, I, I'm sure you could probably give a, a, a dissertation on this as a as someone who's been in the profession for 17 years. But uh, what what has changed, or, or what are some of the big changes? Perhaps maybe we'll stick to that. Uh, you know, over the course of uh, of your career, both you know from your perspective at you know how you do your job, but then maybe you know with the the profession as a whole that uh, that you're aware of. Well, the profession in that time period has grown drastically, in my opinion. The biggest thing, I'll use Connecticut as an example, is obviously the concussion. Mm -hmm. You know, concussion's in the forefront now, um, media-wise, you know, parent-wise, even the medical profession now. You know, everybody's, you know, concussion's the big topic. Um, With that being said, it helped us as athletic trainers, especially in the high school setting, that, you know, we're lucky in Connecticut that 96% of the schools have athletic trainers yep. at some capacity, which is fantastic compared to if you look at a national level. Um, but I think Connecticut in general is at the forefront um, with, you know, educating athletic directors, superintendents to hire athletic trainers. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, when I started a long time ago, um, there wasn't that many schools that had, you know, the services. Now, like I said, 96% is huge, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, from here, you know, what's growing a lot more is the educational aspect where, you know, people hear trainer, they're like, oh, can you give me a gym prescription? You know, right. I need to work out. And we're not even, you know, we can, but we're more so, you know, more, you know, we, somebody goes down on the field, we got to know how to treat them. Yeah. You know, so I think educating the public and what our knowledge is and what we're here for um, has come around twofold. Um, you know, as for Connecticut itself, I think we're on the right path. I just wish we can get it more of a mandate, which I know it's hard. You know, my personal opinion, um, try to get, you know, more high schools obligated to hire, not just for game coverage, because more injuries happen in practice than games. Sure. So to get more high schools to hire more full-time athletic trainers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, no question. It's a, it's certainly a priority, and I, I think you know uh, everyone knows that uh, that budgets uh, are what they are right now. But it's yep, certainly exactly. keeping uh, keeping kids safe uh, is always something that should be everybody's uh, everybody's goal and keeping them healthy. Yeah. So we, yeah, uh, we absolutely certainly understand that. Um, along that line, I'm curious: has there been you know you talked a little bit about the you know the the crazy time between two and four with the you know the taping and the stretching and all that kind of stuff? Has there been you know a change or, or more of a push in, in your time that you've seen in terms of, you know, injury prevention training and, and things that you're doing with kids, you know, maybe even, um, you know, or doing with coaches in terms of how kids warm up and all that kind of stuff. That seems like it's an area that, uh, you know, is getting a lot more or a lot more attention is being paid to it now than maybe, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Oh, absolutely. Now, I mean, I know at East Haven we go through, uh, we have preseason meetings, I have preseason meetings with the coaches, mm-hmm. um, and we'll go sport by sport with them. I'll discuss, you know, ways, what they can do to prevent, because a lot of coaches, thankfully, they use, they know we have that ability to help them, and they use it. Yeah. Um, you know, so soccer, for instance, I have an ACL prevention program that both our soccer teams go through. Mm-hmm. Um, football, we went through more of um, neck strengthening prevention for oh, concussions um, and then your you know your baseball and softball I go over you know overuse arm injuries and sure. how to prevent them you know I give them exercise that they can do you know to help prevent it so a lot of the coaches they do I mean again they know me so it's a little bit easier but we do do a lot here um, we actually um, this year we're going to actually have our first strength and conditioning camp for oh, all East Haven athletes, well, residents too. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're trying to get more of the prevention, 
but also get more camaraderie, get more kids involved in sports and staying with their teams. And, you know, it's more an East Haven athletics rather than East Haven football or East Haven baseball. So we all kind of work together. But the prevention's been huge here, at least, where, you know, a lot of coaches have utilized the little things that can go a long way. No question. You know, preventing injuries. Yeah, no, that really, as I said, you know, I think uh, just from a, a peripheral, I've obviously, I'm not an athletic trainer, but I, I've, you know, been involved with uh, with athletics at the college and high school level. And that seems to be the, the, the emphasis uh, and, and the sort of understanding and knowledge has, has gone a long way in yeah, that regard. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, how about, well, uh, you know, I sort of said that uh, trying to take this opportunity to let people, you know, understand what's involved uh, in, the, in the job that, uh, that maybe they don't know. So that's the question. What's, uh, what do you think is sort of one, you know, one or two things or, or maybe the biggest thing that, that, you know, people don't know about athletic trainers, either, you know, sort of the job itself, uh, you know, how you get there, whatever it might be, that maybe fans or, or, or parents or, or athletes don't know about athletic trainer or athletic training? Um, the biggest things are education. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is, again, I go back to the word, they see athletic trainer, and they're like, oh, give me a gym workout, or do... Oh, sorry about the bell there, Joel. Hold no on. No problem. <laughs> All right. Um, no, with that, it's education, where, and I don't want to say parents, but, you know, sometimes the general public, they, they think we're just here to, to work kids out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where... You know, our more our educations, more emergency assessment or emergency treatment, along with the rehabilitation, helping kids out. Where, you know, I always tell parents, I gotta know if somebody goes down on that football slash soccer basketball court. You know, it depends on the injury, obviously, but I gotta know: is it a fracture? Is it a sprained knee? Is it an ACL? You know, I had kids unfortunately with ruptured spleens. Yeah. You know, is it? A back injury? Is it a severe head injury? Is it just a concussion and skull fracture? You know what I mean? Right. So our education is very diverse in where we got to know medically what's going on on that field. Sure. You know, whether it is an unfortunate cardiac incident or is it just, you know, asthma, not just asthma, but is it asthma? You know, we got to differentiate to what treatment we need to do. Yeah. Um, and it's usually 90% of the time it's just us with no MD. Right. So our educational background is huge where people don't understand that what our knowledge is, I yeah. think. You know, where like our education comes in, it's you know, you gotta go through an accredited college. What do I mean by accredited? It's a college that's monitored by, you know, um, a medical agency, the National Athletic Trainers Association, mm-hmm. to make sure everything's up to par on our education. Yep. You know, and then from there, you know, once we do get our certification and license you know, we apply it, but people, again, the biggest thing is, you know, we're there more, you know, to make sure everybody's safe. We got a more holistic approach sometimes, but if somebody goes out on the field, our biggest thing is, okay, what do we got to do? Do I have to call 911? All right, you got an ankle sprain. Let's get you back there. We'll get you some crutches. Keep an eye on it. Or listen, you got a major fracture. We got to get 911 or, you know, different avenues where we have to do the treatment. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's the biggest thing where I want, or us as an organization and our athletic trainer society is more education. Um, coaches understand, even athletic directors are getting more understanding, and they all want it. You know, our next level is now we got to you know educate the superintendents. We have to educate the principals. You know, even to the higher levels with senators and representatives. Um, right now, we're trying to change our language and our practice. Yeah. You know, what that means is we're trying to get it to, we could treat the physically active people. You know, it doesn't have to just be an athlete. You know what I mean? So for that, what we mean is, you know, if, you know, Mr. John Doe's working at Sikorsky and hurts his knee, you know, we can help him because he's physically active. You know, and so we're trying, we're working at the state level to educate senators and representatives on what we actually do. Yeah. So... Right now, it's um, it's a big time for us, especially in Connecticut. Um, hopefully, you know, talking to most ADs that I know, everybody loves us, wants us. It all comes down to budget. Sure. And that, I think, comes with education. Yeah, no question. You know, and they know what we do. We know what we can prevent. You know, I don't want to go into more liability aspects and stuff like that, which we can help with. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but, I mean, once they learn the education, what we can do for every school program 
it's a no-brainer to hire an athletic trainer. Yeah, no question. It, uh, as we said, it's uh, you know we, we understand the 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 financial situations, but uh, it's it's yep. probably uh, something that's going to be well worth uh, most schools' time and uh, and their resources to to help prevent and, and help keeps their kid their kids healthy and safe so we uh we appreciate all the information mark and and we're really uh, uh this was great i I'm really happy to uh to get on the phone with you and let you talk a little bit about uh about some of the things that you folks are doing and uh and and how you're trying to continue to grow the profession and and you do a, a fantastic job with it so we really appreciate it and uh we hope folks uh our fans out there uh will maybe take a time and uh we missed athletic training month was actually uh was march which was what prompted me to want to reach out to Mark so I just missed it but uh, hope folks will take the time to uh, to thank their trainer at their school for for all they do for their kids so we really appreciate it Mark and uh, enjoy the spring season I know it's going to be a busy one but uh, you'll be out there I'm sure and and keeping everybody uh, in, in, in shape for it absolutely Joel thank you very much I appreciate your time Thanks so much to Mark. That was really a, an interesting conversation. I know he was excited to, to kind of get a chance to talk a little bit about what athletic trainers do and, and where that profession is going. Uh, and, and I do think we're doing a lot of great things in the state of Connecticut. Those folks work incredibly hard, uh, but it's also an area, as we talked about, that uh, we can continue to try to see grow and, uh, and hopefully folks have a sense now of a little bit of some of the, the great work that those people are doing. Uh, a little bit more of a traditional uh, conversation now for the CIC cast. Let's reach out to uh, Dave Rudin, our friend from the RudinReport.com. Get a little sense for uh, what's on tap in Fairfield County for the uh, spring sports season. Always happy to get on the phone with uh, one of our uh, representatives from Fairfield County, a gentleman who uh, keeps a great tabs on everything that's happening down in that part of the state, Dave Rudin from the RudinReport.com. So, Dave, how are you? I'm doing well, Joel. Always a pleasure to talk to you. It's been a little bit of a time since I saw you at uh, the basketball state finals, but uh, always good talking to you. It's always great to talk to you, and we're glad to have you on. I think I realize we never checked in with you during the winter season, but uh, the spring season has officially begun, and uh, uh, we talked in before we started recording. Dave's going to make his first uh, journey out to a spring uh, field for a regular season game this afternoon, so we're uh, we're officially getting into it now, and Wanted to check in with you about some of the teams and sports and stories that maybe fans are going to be wanting to keep t- track of as we as we head through the season. So let's start off with uh, with a, with some sports that obviously get a lot of attention uh, from Fairfield County uh, in the spring season, and that's boys and girls lacrosse. What are we looking at in terms of the boys and girls lacrosse season this year from uh, from the FCX schools? Is it going to be kind of more of the same, or, or do you see anything uh, anything different brewing on the horizon this year? Uh more of the same with a couple of new old players, I guess would be the best way to put it. Uh, I don't think I'll be surprising anybody if we say uh, Darian Newcanen will be the focal points of boys and girls lacrosse. It's sort of a glory time. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this last night with the Darian boys lacrosse team mm-hmm. and just the run they've been on the last couple of years, the talent between playing and I think boys lacrosse in the FSEC might be the best played sport in the state in any in any sport. I I, I would be hard pressed to think uh, of any other sport that has so many teams on a national level. So what Darian has done with a very very difficult non league schedule playing powers regional powers. You know, I, I think in a historical perspective, I'd like to see Darian boys lacrosse the last three or four years put up against any other FCAC team and their accomplishments over time because I just think they're, they've been doing things from a historical perspective and being a nationally ranked program right now. They're, they're, they're going to be quite strong. I mean, the, the, uh, one class graduates and the machine produces another great class, and I think that's going to be the case again this year. They're very, very strong. Ryan Cornell, one of the best players, goaltenders in the state, He's going to be outstanding again. A lot of names that were familiar from football season, Finley Collins, Riley Stewart, uh, are going to be leaders for the lacrosse team again. So Darian's going to be quite, quite strong. Newtown, in, in any other year, we would be talking about them being the dominant power. Mm-hmm. And Newtown quite possibly could end up uh, ending Darian's reign this year. They have a very, very veteran team. A lot of strong players back. They have Ryan O'Connell at midfield 
and he's going to be, he was just named yesterday as one of 11 players uh, that's part of the first wave to play in the Under Armour All-American team, which is quite an honor, actually a, a great honor for Fairfield County in that Arden Cone, a transfer to Darien, he's also, he was also named to this team. So you have mm-hmm. two of the 11 first wave players coming from here. Wow. Uh, New Canaan has a goaltender in Drew Morris, who is absolutely tremendous. The, the Drew Morris, Ryan Cornell dynamic when Darian plays New Canaan is almost a game within a game. And New Canaan is loaded again. And they, and they, as always, have a very, very difficult non-league schedule. So I think no surprise, those are the top two teams right now. But there are a couple of teams that are going to bear keeping an eye on. One of them is Wilton, and as you mentioned before, I'm going to see my first spring game today. And actually, it is going to be Wilton at New Canaan, which is a heck of an FCAC opener. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of players back there, very strong in the midfield. And if there was somebody who was going to break the Darian New Canaan lock hold of recent years, I think Wilton would probably be the most likely candidate. And then you have strong teams like strong programs like Greenwich and Ridgefield, Staples. Uh, all all three of them lost a lot this past year, so I'm not quite sure what to expect from them. I think they may be a step behind everybody else, but they're they're watching as well for possible upsets. Very good. Yeah, no. So uh, a lot of the familiar uh, familiar folks that we're used to. What about? Uh, what about on the girls' side? How, how are you seeing uh, girls lacrosse side? How are you seeing things uh, maybe shaping up this year? Uh, actually, very, very similar to the boys. <laughs> Darian Newcanen with Wilton, again, being the team that you want to keep an eye on. Dar- Darian girls, is, is, again, is just a nationally ranked program. They have a lot of strong players back. They're going to be very, very strong in the midfield with Emma Lesko. And Katie Ramsey, Emma Jake, they're going to be a very, very strong team. They're, they're strong on the attack with Laura Murphy and Anna Stein. So Darianne is the favorite right now. But keep an eye on, on New Canaan as well. New Canaan has just had some heartbreaking overtime losses to Darianne where they've lost leads in the last two FCX championships. And they're going to be quite strong. They, they have a player maybe the best in the league or in the top three. Actually, somebody I'm going to be profiling this week on the Rudin Report named Campbell Armstrong. And they have uh, very strong on the attack with Tigger Nesbitt and at midfield with Carly Bucci. So I think we're looking at probably a Darianne-Nucane in battle again. But Wilton's going to be very strong. Boys and girls are passing mirroring each other, but we have a New Canaan Wilton game tomorrow mm-hmm. in girls that I'm going to go to. And Wilton has a lot of players back. And I'm very interested to see how they shape up against New Canaan tomorrow. I think that's going to be a very telling game about how many contenders we're going to have. And then you have some programs on the rise like Ridgefield, which was very strong last year, and they lost a lot, but I think they're. Right now in the bottom of the first tier, top of the second tier, they've positioned themselves, and, and then Greenwich has had a long long run of success as well. So mm-hmm. girls looks a lot like the guys do. Yeah, no, it's, uh, as you said, teams that we're familiar with, but uh, we'll see if folks can, can rise up and, and challenge them a little bit. And obviously the, the battle between those uh, top teams is going to be interesting to watch and playing out all year. So, uh, um Interesting. Uh, talk a little bit about, uh, I know, the other sports that you really keep a, a close eye on in, in your part of the state, the baseball and softball uh, seasons as things progress. How are those shaping up, and what are you looking for uh, from, from those, those uh, sports as, as we move through into the, the heart of the spring season? Yeah, I think both baseball and softball at this point shape up to be as intriguing as at any time in recent memory because I think you have so many – top programs in play. Baseball is really being go- is going through a glory era here in Fairfield County. A lot of times in the last few years, a lot of players, I think, than in the past, going to play on the college level. And I, when I wrote my preview last week, it was very hard. I tried to separate things into favorites and contenders. And there are so many teams in the mix right now. I made Staples the favorite 
Uh, very not a prohibitive one by any means. They had a very disappointing year last year. They were a preseason favorite and didn't make the FCAC tournament through uh, a poor start against a very demanding non-league schedule and a lot of injuries. But mm-hmm. they have uh, North Carolina-bound shortstop pitcher Ben Kisparius back, and they're going to have a very, very deep rotation with Chad Knight, Ryan Fitton, George Goldstein, Rob Stone. So I think they're going to be very good. Uh, Trumbull, which got to the FCF championship game last year and lost in extra innings, they have a lot coming back, so I think they're very much in the mix. Darianne is the defending champion. That uh, has become a rarity in baseball, mostly because it's a single elimination postseason, and they won the regular season and the FCF championship. Right. So they're... They've got they they got hit hard by graduation losses, but uh, they're going to still be in the mix. They have a lot back, and then you're going to have Wilton is strong again. They could be going for a second FCF title in three years. West Hill is a team to keep an eye on. Uh, West Hill has always been a strong program, but it hasn't really been a contender in recent years. But the Vikings have a very very strong pitching staff. And they have a lot of bats in the lineup. I think West Hill certainly could be a major player. And then we always seem to have a team or two that we're really not targeting that sort of emerges, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but comes from the packet and ends up being in the mix. And this year that could be a team like St. Joseph or Ridgefield. Mm -hmm. I think they're both going to be very good. So baseball is going to be very, very strong again. It should be a lot of fun especially just by the very nature of, of the sport. Uh, a lot of it depends on your schedule, how much you're going to – when do you run into another team's number one pitcher? Right. How often does that happen? And then, again, the big rule this year with the pitch count and how is that going to affect teams. I think the more pitching depth you have is going to be an even more important asset than it has been. Yeah, no question about that. What about on the uh, the softball side? Where are you uh, where are you seeing things shake out there uh, in your part of the state? Uh, again, very very strong, and a lot of teams in the mix. St. Joseph is three time defending champion. That's not something that happens around here too often. They just lost an extra inning game to Darianne in its opener on Monday, so they have changes in pitching. They've been very strong in, in the pitching department and that's not to say they're not going to be strong again this year, but this is the first time they come in without really a seasoned veteran, but they have a lot back in the field, a lot of good bats, so they're going to be in the mix. The team I made the favorite right now is Stanford, which lost to St. Joseph in the final last year, basically because they have so many players back. They have Sarah Staley on the mound, they have uh, Lauren O'Neill, a four-year starter who is one of the best defensive center fielders. The, line, the infield is very good with Dana Sericchio, Maddie Santora. They're just really, really deep, and they have a great player at every position. So they're going to be in the mix. And then you got to keep an eye on Trumbull, which has been a very strong program. They have a lot back. West Hill is just always in the top two or three spots in the league. The Vikings could be there. Mm-hmm. And then keep an eye on Darianne. I think Darianne is back. A lot of players people haven't heard about. I think the win over St. Joseph was an early statement. And then New Canaan and Ridgefield are two sleepers that have a lot back and two programs that have been built up and have solid foundations. So I, I think baseball and softball, you're going to get to the playoffs and you're going to see six, seven, eight seeds that are going to have a chance to beat one, two, three seeds and not consider it an upset. Yeah, no, those, uh, as you said, uh, you know, particularly it seems in those sports like baseball and softball, the, the single elimination element uh, leads to some some surprising results, whether it's in the uh, the league tournaments or then moving on into the CIAC tournament. So you've mentioned, uh, you know, lots of great, uh, great performers, standout performers in, you know, across all four of these sports. Give me maybe just one or two, uh, you know, per sport, uh, if, if you could, you know, players that you think are really going to, uh, you know, kind of be the, the, the ones that, uh, that fans of those sports across the state are really going to, uh, 
you know, come to know and, and sort of say, wow, those are the kids that we really have to, uh, to pay attention to uh, through the spring season? Well, boys lacrosse, obviously, you just have, you, you know, it's an, an all-star team that probably can compete with any other region. Ryan O'Connell, who I mentioned at New Canaan before, and Drew Morris and Gold, two strong players. They have the Crovato brothers, James and Nick. Darian, of course, is just a, is an all-star team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Kevin Lindley back, a top scorer. They have Logan McGovern. He's another top scorer. You have Ryan Cornell, one of the best goaltenders in league and state history. Arden Cohn, who's the transfer. Finley Collins, Brian Minicus. It's it's just a machine there. So I think those are players that you want to keep an eye on. And then there are a lot of a lot of strong kids that are going to play well in the college level, like Tanner Wood at Staples, Bailey Savio at Greenwich is one of the best faceoff specialists. So I think those are, and I'm probably missing about five or six <laughs> players in a short period of time. Sure, which just goes to show you the depth that there is in boys lacrosse, girls lacrosse. Uh, again, I think it's going to be very strong. Campbell Armstrong is one of the players I mentioned at New Canaan, and she's sort of intriguing. And to me, she's the poster child of what's wrong with lacrosse in terms of kids in ninth and tenth grade being not forced, but almost feeling like they're forced to have to make verbal commitments to schools based on what they've done uh, in youth league. Mm-hmm. And Campbell's somebody who really blossomed as a sophomore and is a Division One talent, and is probably going to go Division Three. And I don't want to make that sound like a failure, because a pet peeve of mine is people who uh, make it sound like if you don't play at the Division One level, something's wrong with you. And right. I think if you make it to college and play in college, that really says something. But Emma Lesko at Darien, Laura Murphy at Darien, they're top players. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, again, it's just so hard uh Logan Book at Darien's another good player. Sydney Brandt at Wilton. It's it's almost so hard with lacrosse players that you just always find that there are going to be so many good ones around. Yeah. Uh, baseball. Ben Casparius again. I think he's going to be somebody you want to keep an eye on. That again, the leader of that pitching staff. You have Giacomo Brancato, who's pretty well known for a variety of reasons. He's over at Fairfield Ward. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a top player. Uh, you have Robbie Jones at New Canaan, who's going to pitch at UConn. He's injured right now, and his status is, is up in the air for the season. Hopefully, uh, he recovers quickly. Ridgefield, you have pitcher Colin Lowe, and you have John Thrasher. They're top players. Darian's got some big bats like Sean O'Malley, who had the game-winning hit in the FCAC championship. So they're going to all be very strong players. And, again, I'm probably missing just trying to do this off the top of my head. So many strong players. And then softball, uh, again, is going to be very strong. And softball, pitching in softball probably has more of an impact on games than almost any other position in any other sport. And, again, pitching is deep in the FCAC, and I think – all the contenders are in that position because they have good pitchers. Sarah Staley at Stanford, she's going to be very good. You have uh, Brittany Romero at Fairfield Ludlow. You have Ali Sabo at Trumbull. You have Kaylee Westington at Ridgefield. So they're all teams that are going to be contenders. And then you have some position players like Gabby Lacona at West Hill. She's going to be playing college ball at Ithaca. Mm-hmm. You have Melissa Bike and Giovanna Hillman at St. Joseph. You have Molly and Rachel Keishan at New Canaan. So uh, for somebody who uh, makes a living covering the FCF, I'm not at a shortage by any means. My, my biggest issue is getting to everything as opposed to in being in search of good material. Yeah, no question. Uh, you uh, you certainly will have your hands full of nets. We didn't even get into uh, boys and girls tennis, where uh, the FCAC teams have uh, traditionally been uh, among the best in the state, and uh, and boys volleyball, where you have Ridgefield, who's won the last three uh, Class L championships. So certainly uh, plenty for Mr. Rudin to be doing as the uh, 
as the spring goes forward and into the CIC championships. Dave, uh, just kind of one last question, and this is sort of a you know big picture, thirty thousand feet question. But any sort of uh, you know overarching stories or, or kind of big picture things that you're looking at, you know, not necessarily in terms of specific sports or just uh, kind of you know big stories that you're kind of keeping an eye on uh, uh, through the spring season uh, in your part of the state? Well, I think one of the biggest stories, and this isn't limited to the FCAC, it's going to be a statewide story, is the new pitch count rule in baseball. Mm -hmm. How is that going to affect teams? Uh, You're not going to be able to just keep throwing. If you only have one ace, you're not going to be able to wear him out uh, by throwing him too many many innings, too many games. So I think that bears watching, and I think that's where is going to be a key. So I think that's one thing that's going to be very interesting. Boys and girls lacrosse, I think, from you know, from my standpoint, it's just going to be where teams stand on the national level. I, I think, in, and I'm a little, I'm very leery of state. I mean, of national polls because. As someone who votes in the state poll, it's hard enough for me to do that. Sure. Because I don't get to see teams outside the FCAC until state playoffs begin. How do you rank teams nationally? I mean, no, nobody sees all these teams play. <laughs> right. But by the same token, you have programs like the sports that are always nationally ranked. And that's just a tribute to how good they are and to the success of their program. So that's always something that I kind of like to keep an eye on. And as you mentioned, we didn't even get to boys' volleyball, which has really blossomed in the last decade. I, it always has been good. The rest of the state has started catching up to some FCAC teams, but as you mentioned, Ridgefield has really become a dominant program. Staples is always right there in the mix. Yep. And FCAC teams always fare very well in attendance and golf, and their track teams have been very good, too. So, uh I think probably one of the biggest stories is just overall success of the FCAC in spring sports. It just seems to, that seems to be the one time of the year where FCAC teams on a statewide level show the most dominance. Yeah, no, it's uh, as you said, it's been a it's been a good season for schools down in your part of the state, and that's why we wanted to uh, to get you on the phone and get us ready for what we might be looking for this spring. So, Dave, we always appreciate it. Uh, good luck and have fun going out to your uh, your first game today, and uh, enjoy the spring season. I'm sure we'll be checking back in with you again, maybe as we head into uh, into CIC tournament time. We appreciate it as always. Yeah, thanks. So, looking out my uh, office window here, I see sun, so it'll be nice. Uh Nice little change for my first game, and thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much to Dave. As always, love getting him on the phone. He really uh, does such a good job covering uh, all the things uh, Fairfield County there on the RudenReport.com. So we appreciate him getting in touch with us and, uh, and talking to us. Now uh, we're going to wrap things up with, uh, as I said, we kind of talked about the world of athletic training. Now I want to get on the uh, have a little conversation with a, a gentleman who uh, can also talk to us a little bit about what goes on in the athletic department, and that is uh, Damian Frasinelli, the athletic director at Stafford High School. Going to talk to him a little bit about uh, his position and uh, and the challenges that come with that job, particularly this time of year. Very happy to have with me on the phone now Damian Frasinelli, who is the athletic director at Stafford High School and also the president of the Connecticut Association of Athletic Directors. He's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the some of the things that go on maybe behind the scenes uh, uh, in, in the athletic director's chair, uh, particularly during the spring season. So, Damian, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Joel. It's a, it's a topic that uh, is, there are a lot of things behind the scenes for sure. Uh, our focus is always to uh, get the fields ready so kids can play, and uh, sometimes that always isn't the case with the weather. No, no question about it. So let's uh, let's start here. I know um, you know obviously each sports season and and sort of throughout the year there are the unique challenges uh, you know involved in in each of them. But in a my sort of hypothesis at least maybe is uh, that maybe the spring season presents kind of the most. Uh, day-to-day sort of challenges or, or things that might come up for an athletic director. Would you say that's sort of a fair assessment considering uh, all of the different uh, variables that are coming into play during the spring seasons? Without question. Uh, with the, it's, a, it's one of the shortest seasons we have. Um, the weather uh, can be uh, really all over the place mm-hmm. and, and certainly across the state. Up here in Stafford, we certainly uh, still have snow often at the end of March, 
uh, and sometimes down on the coast, uh, maybe the shoreline conference, uh, closer to the water, they, they don't have that yeah. uh, same scenario. But nonetheless, we could have uh, as much, much precipitation over the course of the winter, uh, but how far it went to melt and get out, uh, certainly that is something that uh, is regional. Yeah, no question. So um, so let's just kind of start here and sort of say, if you could, just kind of walk me through, you know, you, you come into your office on a, on a, uh, a Thursday morning yesterday, uh, perhaps, and it was, you know, a miserable day. It had been raining uh, essentially all day long, but you get into your office in the morning and, and you look at the schedule and you say, all right, you know, we've got these games scheduled for today. What is the process uh, to sort of come to the decisions about, whether these games are going to get played, if they're not going to get played, what's going to happen with them? How does that, you know, sort of sort of walk people through uh, how, all that decision making and how the process works in ter- terms of determining, uh, you know, what you're going to do with your schedule on a on a day to day basis? Certainly, a great question that that everyone um, wants to know when you get here. You know, one of the games often there are. Uh, coaches and, and players lined up out the door <laughs> waiting to find the answer to the question. But uh, to to start sort of at the, at step one, you really need to know your facilities. You, you need to know um, if your if turf can handle uh, whatever amount of rain or snow that it had. You, mm-hmm. you need to have a concept of your tennis courts. If you have softball, baseball, you, you need to know if a light rain is going to um, cause a delay and certainly heavy rains, and how much that's going to factor in. So a baseline understanding for, a, for honestly, a quick response to say, normally my fields on a heavy rain day, I need at least one day's recovery. Right. But on light rain, I have a great grounds crew, and I know that our conditioner on the infield can absorb a light rain in the morning, and they can attack it around noon. It'll dry out, and we can play in the afternoon. So really a baseline of field conditions and how they – uh, react to the weather, and an understanding of the field crew. It could be a parks department. It could be the school staff. You know, there are different uh, relationships uh, across the state at different locations right. uh, to know really what's going to happen. So it sometimes is a, is a quick decision. Then you really have to factor in um, season limitations, if you will, game limitations. You mm-hmm. know, early in the seasons, you try to not uh, even go back-to-back. If you can help it, certainly you try not to get three in a row, but as you move into May, you may be able to do some of those things. Um, we, we are all cognizant of our schedules, and if we take something that's supposed to be, let's say, April 1st, baseball or softball, and say, you know what, well, let's just get it out of our hair. Late May is going to be great. <laughs> when, when everybody moves everything to late May, right. you never know what sort of a logjam you're going to have then. So the, there, there are a number of factors, and, and first and foremost, it's, it's safety of the kids. You know, you make sure that whatever surface they're going to be on, they're going to be safe. Yeah. Everybody's anxious to play. Parents want to want to play, but you really need to think of that first. And again, how your facilities react to the to the weather. Yeah, no question. I'm sure some of that comes with uh, you know the experience of having been through a, a season or two. But uh, you know, you sort of learn those things. You talked a little bit about you know the the staff and and whoever it might be, as you said. You know, in some schools, it might be a parks and rec department. You know, staff that that works on the fields. It might be uh, you know the school staff. In some cases, how important are those you know relationships? Uh, you know, in sort of establishing here's what we're going to need to do on a, on a given day or, you know, understanding what those folks can and can't do in terms of their time schedules, you know, in terms of trying to get a field ready, you know, maybe in some cases when it might be a little tight. How, how critical is that component uh, in sort of making these decisions? It's very critical, the relationship, you know, between, you know, the athletic department and the field crew, whoever that, that might be. Um, there are, you know, often – uh, they, you know, there are guys out there or folks out there that do a wonderful job, but often, you know, they are either a parks department or a maintenance department, and they're doing a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. And there are some that are highly focused, and they're more grounds crew. Right. We'd like to hope that, you know, in our mind, we'd like the, the field to look like Fenway or, or Yankee <laughs> sure. Stadium. Um, but our guys have other opportunities or other responsibilities. So um, some will put an entire crew and say, yep, we will put all of our efforts in this afternoon to, you know, uh, soaking up the water that's on the tennis court to make sure, and, and leaf blowers to, to dry it up. So there may be that type of approach. Uh, sometimes it's, 
you know what, we've got two guys and we can't get to all of these things, so something might have to uh, be delayed. But uh, most uh, relationships are good. The schedules from the schools uh, usually take priority because they know that there is a, an end date to the, to the spring season that is preset, and we have to get these games in. So there's, there's an understanding and appreciation uh, and it's always good to, you know what, you stop by and, and you thank them with a, with a cup of coffee or when it's hot, a Gatorade, or, you know, when it comes, it comes time and you have some apparel, you, you thank them because it's a, it's a job. Basically, they make it look pretty every single game day, and we come in and we mess it up because, you know, <laughs> we're sliding into third or whatnot. So, yeah. you know, the appreciation of, of people, you talk about what we do behind the scenes, they are behind the scenes as well. So, an understanding of, of how they can get to things and when their when their work day ends, which you know could often be you know three four o'clock. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, at what point you know is in sort of you're talking about you know understanding what what your facilities can do and uh, you know and, and trying to you know get a sense for looking at forecasts and sort of seeing how things might shape up. What at what point uh, you know are you sort of bringing the the opposing you know, in, in your case, maybe the visiting team, or if you're the visiting team and you know, you know, all right, our baseball team's scheduled to go on the road today, you know, at what point and, and how do you sort of bring the other school into the, the decision-making process? Well, I will go um, to a, a few things. One, um, I often uh, joke about Matt Fisher and the work he does behind the scenes, and I did yesterday, but if you if you go to the website, he has a great um, – uh, format that I can pull up my visiting team schedule in looking at when their games are. Mm-hmm. So if there is a potential that we have to postpone, we have a baseline of understanding where we pull up schedules. So I clicked on, uh, in this case, Ellington Baseball. It shows my baseball schedule and their baseball schedule side-by-side side on the screen to get a good view of what could be coming down the road. Right. But on a specific game day, you try to you try to get to people as early as you can sure. to make that call because and then you look and we're all looking at four different forecasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weather people do a great job, and um, but we take the different channels and weather service forecasts and uh, weather underground and so on and say what's the commonality between all of their conversations right. and it shows heavy rain all morning through the afternoon. Okay, that's an easy one. Let's get it done early and it and it gives great. Uh, respect to the officials that are assigned to those games to get those changes out there and to parents who may be adjusting their schedules in order to try to come to a game. Mm -hmm. Um, So you try to get to that early. And, again, I'll go back to the website where um, when we make changes, I request a change of, let's say, Ellington in this case. When they approve the change request to say today's game is postponed, it'll be tomorrow, once they accept that and the cycle goes through, uh, an alert goes to everyone who signed up for those alerts. Yep. The parents, the staff, could be bus company, could be grounds crew, certainly um, it's going to be the officials. So you try to get to it early so not only can all those folks uh, have an understanding of what's going on, but how you adjusted your practice schedule. Because now, now we're going from a 4 o'clock softball, baseball, tennis match to we're going to be inside for our practice today, and now let's say the baseball team is going to be 2 to 4, the girls on a softball team are four to six, so now we have to rearrange transportation and whatnot for them. So those things, it's a trickle down once you make a change. So you, you try to get to it early. Uh, the latest, uh, you know, usually there's a, a, con- a contract between officials that we need to give them a two-hour window uh, before we cancel something. Uh, so we try to get to that, you know, really just around lunchtime is usually the, uh, the, the drop-dead time. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So uh, a lot of moving parts uh, uh, in terms of those sorts of things. And uh, and now, what, what sort of you know in terms of so let let's uh, throw a hypothetical out here. You've got you know you you looked at the forecast. You took your best guess. You know you th- you thought the field would be ready to play. Uh, Ellington gets out. Uh, you know gets on the bus. Comes to. Uh, to, to Stafford, and unfortunately, the weather doesn't allow it. You know, they're here. Uh, what what sort of is the process? You know, but you, they they come, and it looks like you're not going to be able to get the game in. You know, it, it just the the weather uh, didn't cooperate. It starts raining. You get your thunderstorm, whatever it might be. What's the process, sort of, at the site, uh, and, and how do you how do you handle those situations when they uh, unfortunately uh, you know do happen on occasion? Yeah, it goes back. It it truly goes back to relationships. In that scenario that you give, and we've been there before, 
You know, if it's a if it's a school in close proximity to you that you have a relationship with, and and the weather looks like it's a potential, uh, it's going to clear up and we can play this, then often they will say, all right, let's take the chance. It's either late in the season or we've got to get these games in, mm-hmm. uh, or or schedules become tight. So it is a it is a an agreement that all right, you're going to pay for a bus because you're going to get over here, but I get that we're going to pay for the officials who are going to show up. And then it becomes the responsibility of the home AD to say, all right, everybody got here. We thought it was going to break. A cell of weather came and is, has opened up, <laughs> and we can't, frankly, get this game in. And even waiting is not going to help. So you understand the assumed cost of paying the officials because, you know, it was a, it was a, a well-thought uh, effort to get out there. Sure. But nonetheless, it might have been a little bit of a long shot. So. Yeah. Uh, it's the relationship. But if I was, uh, let's say, having a, a, an event against uh, someone, uh, you know, maybe out Chapog and we had, a, we had a game match or whatnot, you know, I, I may not take that chance because, you know, the long bus ride, you know, it, it, it's not a quick turnaround. But someone, you know, within, you know, half an hour might be more accepting to the idea. Sure. Uh, you know, I don't know if, if even if I'm going to tell my coach, well, you got less than a fifty percent chance of playing today, but I'm going to put you on a bus for an hour. Right? You know that 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 may not go well, but yeah. uh, we've been in that case before. But again, you take care of your responsibilities. That you know, you take care of those officials who you ask to show up and give it a shot, and then often you know we can get the game in for the next day. Uh, but you know, in another uh, another scenario, Joel, there you may be playing some games on a day where there's light rain. And other sports in your building will not be. And, sure. and the example would be, you know, if we have tennis, you know, a light rain, we cannot be out on the court. Right. But if we have turf, my lacrosse team can get out there and, and play in, in light rain, and mm-hmm. it's and it's safe and it's appropriate. So it's not once you once you decide something is going to be canceled that everything is canceled, because there there are some activities that can uh, perform during some, let's say, modest uh, weather conditions. Yeah. So I, I want to go back to one thing that you kind of mentioned in there, and this may be something that people, uh, again, you know, might not have a great feeling for, but, you know, the sort of, you know, it, 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 the question may come up, well, whose decision is it ultimately? You know, is it at the is it the home AD? Is it the, the visiting AD? And it sounds like what you're kind of telling me is it's sort of a, you know, maybe there's no official, you know, all right, I'm saying we're going to play this game. It's kind of a let's talk about this. Let's kind of see what the scenario is. And, you know, are you comfortable sending your kids up here if, if we're not going to be, you know, with the chance that maybe we're not going to be able to play it? Uh, how does that sort of that kind of play out? Is it kind of that, you know, sort of mutual professionalism where you sort of try to treat, uh, you know, both schools kind of trying to, to see what's best for them and you kind of play it out that way? Is that kind of would you say tends to be sort of the the operating procedure there? It, it really is. I mean, at the at, at at its start, it really is is the information provided by the home team, right? Um, as a starting point to say, my fields are good. I know I can get this in my court, my my facility, my turf, whatever it might be. I believe we can play today, uh, unless it is a torrential scenario in which, you know, someone's just trying to get it in um, and, and maybe they shouldn't. Yeah. But often it is, it is the home location saying, I believe it's playable. And then, then it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, really it does. And then uh, so upon arrival, you know, when, when, when both teams take a look, you know, and assess, yes, this is a playable situation, uh, that's how it gets off the ground. Uh, often it's not, it, it, let's say it's not for me to tell, you know, talent, that no, it's raining here in Stafford, so I believe we're not coming to Tomlin today. Right. You know, really, you rely on the professionalism um, of of the of the home school, and it, it, it usually works uh, without without fail. Now, with that said, also, once the game begins, it is in the hands of the officials. Right. It is no longer in the hands of of the home AD, coach, or anybody else. Once the game goes. Then the uh, the officials take over and they tell you whether you're going to continue or not. Yep. And, and that and that is uh, that is across the board because they once once the once the tip off goes the opening bell, you know it it's uh, it's in their court and you let them do their job. They're professionals as well and 
everyone who's involved is it's safety first for the kids. Yeah, no question. But it, 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 I'm always struck when we have these, uh, you know, when I sort of have these conversations with folks about how much, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, um, professionalism, but also the sort of how important the relationships and the communication are, you know, between the schools. As you say, you know, you have to trust that, uh, you know, the, the AD you're talking to is, is going to be reasonable and responsible about what their facility may do and or may be able to to handle and, and accommodate and and you're obviously uh you know trying to do the same and i'm always uh i guess it sort of uh, just reinforces how critical and i know you certainly know this how critical those relationships are uh between the athletic directors and and the staff and, and sort of understanding at at their school and, and how you kind of make these decisions because it can't be you know, it can't just be one person and, and, you know, then going forward. You have to really have that kind of, uh, you know, mutual respect and, and appreciation for what the other school is going through. No question. And, and, and it is it's paramount to, to facilitating any, you know, education-based athletic program. And, and that's why we have preseason and postseason meetings. They are, there are league meetings. Uh, that there is a liaison for each sport, mm-hmm. and I know in our league and many leagues, uh, they have a preseason meeting. They talk about the timeliness of, of making those calls for cancellation, the honest discussion about uh, facilities and getting games in, yep. understanding that during the spring that Saturdays are a play date. So we try to alert our, our kids and our staff that, you know, uh, you may have a, a part-time job on a Saturday, but you know what, in the spring season, those things can move really from a Thursday, Friday to a Saturday, you know, quickly, and especially this year with the amount of moisture we had late yeah. uh, in the in the in the year. That so those it goes back to those relationships are, uh, you know, honed and and certainly cared for in the off season. So once the season starts, we have an understanding that everybody's on the same page, and and here's our philosophy going forward for the spring. Yeah, no, it really is. Uh, there's so many moving parts to it, and uh, you sometimes uh, sort of have the feeling it's it's a it's a miracle sometimes that that uh, games get played at all. You know, when you look at all the sort of uh, things that go into it, and, and getting everything scheduled and played, and, and so many people uh, on the same page. So it uh, we we appreciate you uh, joining us and talking a little bit, and maybe giving uh, giving people a little bit of insight into into the process and and what goes into it. So Damian, uh, good luck uh, getting through the spring season. We'll uh, I know you guys take. It, uh, take it literally one day at a time, trying to figure out what you're going to be able to do. And uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes to kind of walk us through some of this stuff. Joel, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, give, a, give a look behind the curtain. So uh, thank you again. Enjoyed that conversation very much with uh, Damian. Thanks very much to him for joining us, and hope uh, hope you found all that a little bit enlightening. Hope that uh, is the case with the conversation with Damian, our conversation with Dave Rudin, and our conversation with Mark Aceto. So, as always, we hope you enjoyed it. That's going to do it for this edition of the CIAC cast. Thanks so much for being with us. Remember to follow us on Twitter, at CIAC Sports. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. Give us a review and a like and uh, a rating on iTunes. We would really appreciate that. Uh, a good way to kind of track and, and see how many folks are listening and, and if we're doing the right things here. And as uh, by the same measure, you can always email us, ciaccast at C-A-S-C-I-A-C dot O-R-G. That's how you get in touch with us, ciaccast at C-A-S-C-I-A-C dot O-R-G. Hope you will uh, get in touch with us. Let us know if there's something you'd like us to discuss here. we got, as I said, uh, this time of year, you know, we like to, to go a little bit off script if we can. So give us some uh, some ideas. Let us know who you would like. Uh, you can do that on Twitter as well if you want to reach out to us, Facebook as well. So that is going to do it. We'd like to once again thank all of our guests for being with us. Thanks to our friends from the Connecticut Department of Transportation for uh, passing along their great message. And thank you all very much for listening. And we hope you will uh, do so and choose to do so once again when we're back with another edition of the CIAC cast.